Florida Spirit Church. Can we all stand to our feet to worship the Lord this morning? Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. just came when the fire I'm slowly drifting the vagabond and just when I ran out of road I met a man I didn't know and he told me that I was not I thank the Savior because He healed my heart. He changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank God. Whoa. I cannot deny what I've seen. Got no choice but to believe my downs are burning. Like ashes in the wind. Oh, so so long to my old friends. Burden and bitterness, you can just keep it moving. No, you ain't welcome here. From now till I walk streets of gold, I'll sing of how you say my song. This wayward son has found his way back home. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior, because he healed my heart, he changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God. Another one, I am free. Oh, I am free. Now I am free. Oh, hell has lost another one. I am free. Now I am free. Oh, I am free. Now hell has lost another one. I am free. Oh, I am free. Now I am free. Oh, hell has lost another one. I am free. Because he healed my heart, you changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God.
second. Just like Jesus did on that third day, we're about to get up out this grave. Come on now, y'all. Come on, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Come on, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Come on, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave.
Now let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise one more time this morning. We serve an incredible God. He's worthy to be praised, and we're so excited that you're here to, to praise him. Uh, if you would, won't you turn and, and greet someone, say hi to someone on the way back to having a seat this morning. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Letty, and it is so good to have you with us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can use this QR code on the screen next to me to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. And if you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to know how to serve you better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center right after this worship experience. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't put any pressure to give. Instead, let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the Commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or, as always, you can give on your Spirit Church app. Spirit Church, thanks for being such a generous church family. Now I've got a few announcements for you. All adoptive and foster families, as well as all Spirit Church families, are invited to join us this Saturday, June 17th, at Bartlesville Kitty Park. From 9 to 11 a.m., admissions and rides are free, but the concession stand will also have snacks available for purchase. We would love to bless these families in our community, so help us spread the word. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and we can't wait to celebrate all of our Spirit Church dads. We're planning gifts, giveaways, and a family photo booth to make this day extra special. So make plans to join us. And lastly, tonight is Spirit Youth's Camp Wars event at 5.30 p.m. We will play camp-style games to get our students excited for youth camp, so make sure they don't miss out on this fun night. Spirit Church, you're the best. Thanks for listening. Now let's welcome our lead pastor, Jason Fullerton. Hey, good morning. Thanks for being with us today. It's an amazing looking crowd. Let me just indulge me for a couple seconds, if you will. Grover and Loretta, stand up. They got married at two o'clock yesterday and they're in church this morning. Love you both. Congratulations. I'm not saying you have to come to church the day after you got married, but I'm just saying there's a precedent for it there. And then my friends Billy and Tammy Burks, deacons on our church, are back. They have been in the Holy Land with Pastor Daryl and Faith and a team from Oklahoma. And I'm going to put you on the spot for just a second. You went to the garden tomb. Was there a body there? There's nobody. Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. 
So I haven't been there. I can't give you an eyewitness account, but now I have somebody who has been there and has seen it with his own eyes that Jesus is alive, and we're so thankful for that truth. Amen? Let me let you know about two resources real quick. The one is our Pray for America prayer guide. These are available for you outside as you leave. We are dedicating uh, the whole month of June and even up to July 5th to praying for America. We need to pray for our nation, amen? And so we're doing that every day throughout the month of June. These prayer guides are there. There's a different prayer focus. And the last couple days, we've actually been praying for more of an openness and an expectancy for the Holy Spirit to be active and moving in our lives. And you're gonna find out uh, how, how often Awesome God is in a second when our speaker comes. And then this second resource I have for you is our Pentecostals magazine that's out there from our national office. It talks to you about the Holy Spirit, maybe explains some truths that you might have questions about, even gives you some tips for how to talk to your children, your teenagers about the Holy Spirit. So these are both available, and let me not uh, fail to mention that Wednesday mornings at 7 a.m., we are praying together as a church family. If you're able to be here, we're having a time of prayer right here in the worship center where we're praying over America. Again, how many believe that we need to pray? Not post on social media, not be negative or mean towards one another, but to pray. Let me lastly say thank you to everyone who served at VBS this week. We had an awesome week of VBS. We saw over 100 kids almost every single night that were here, and we had about that many volunteers as well. It was like the safest place in town, a one-to-one -one ratio of kids to volunteers. So thank you for everyone who made that possible. We had several kids say yes to Jesus on the last night of VBS, and that's the reason why we do it all. Well, this series that we're in is called Tell Me Why, and we're talking about why do we do things that we do as the church or as Christians, or why do we believe certain ways? And so today we're going to talk about why we emphasize the baptism in the Holy Spirit so much, or why we emphasize the person of the Holy Spirit so much, and you're in for a real treat because I've invited a friend of mine, Pastor Chris Dow, to come and share. Chris is one of my favorite communicators on the planet, and if you don't believe me, you can ask Robin. Most Sunday afternoons, I go home and when I wake up from my nap, I go to YouTube and I go to Christian Chapel and I watch and listen to what Chris preaches. And guess what? Today I'm sleeping longer because I don't have to watch you on YouTube this afternoon because I'm going to watch you right here at Spirit Church. I want to get the In the Vault text out first before Pastor Chris comes, and I want to show you that. Would you stand with me? We are so passionate about Scripture. We love placing the Word of God in the vault of our hearts. This is the verse that we're working on all month as a church family that we're trying to memorize. Why don't we say it together on three? One, two, three. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. So today, Pastor Chris's task is to talk to us about the Holy Spirit, and I've heard him speak on the Holy Spirit so many times. I'm always encouraged when he does that. We're blessed to have his wife Angie and his kids, Corbin and Audrey, who are with us. Would you welcome them this morning? They are, they are one short today, and so if he breaks down crying in the middle of it, it's because they dropped off their oldest child, Connor, at Oklahoma State. Any Cowboy fans in the house? Okay, that better not be the loudest applause of the day. That better not be the best amen of the day. But next year, you basketball fans, tune in because their son has signed to play basketball at Oklahoma State, so he'll be a part of that Cowboy basketball team. Number 13, 
Number 13, cheer for Connor Dow anytime that he is on the floor. Chris is a great friend. How many have people in your life that are just wise and you can trust? That's what Chris is to me. He's always an encouragement. He's wise. Uh, He's beyond his years. We love him dearly. They just celebrated their 22nd wedding anniversary. Would you welcome to the stage my friend, Pastor Chris Dow. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Morning. You may be seated. It is great to be here. It's, it's really nice uh, to have pastors who are friends, first of all. It's also really nice to have uh, tall pastors who are friends. Like, this is the tallest podium I have ever seen, and I, I love it. Normally, like, you go somewhere, and, you know, it's like your five-foot-eight buddy, and you're trying to, trying to, like, ask for a stool to put the podium on, but this is perfect. Uh, Jason and Robin, I know you know it, but they are incredible people. Uh, I tell people all the time, Jason is the most encouraging friend I have in the world. Every time I am with him, I walk away feeling better about myself. I believe in myself more. Um, I love, I came up a few months ago and we had lunch in Bartlesville. He took me to Voice of the Martyrs. We went to a few other places. Everywhere we went, Jason bragged about me to the waitress and the people we met. He bragged about my wife to the waitress and the people we met. He bragged about my kids to everyone we met, and I just went home feeling like I really am everything Jason says I am, right? And so I know, and and because here's the thing, as a pastor, sometimes I have the other kind of lunches um, where I go away thinking, am I everything they said I was? Uh, In the complete opposite way. So I know you understand how fortunate you are to have Jason and Robin as your pastors, but I want to make you aware uh, there are people all over Oklahoma who are benefiting from them, from their encouragement, from the joy. Like the, The love, joy, peace that you guys talk about all the time is not just a tagline or a slogan. It really is the motto of their lives. And so on behalf of, of, I know many other pastors who are friends with Jason and Robin, thanks for sharing them with us. Thanks for letting them be an encouragement to us. Uh, Our lives are better because of them. And, uh, you know, when when a pastor's life is better because of their friends, the church is better because of that. And so there are healthy churches all over Oklahoma because of Jason and Robin and the impact that they're making. You know it personally, uh, but, but it's happening in all kinds of places and all kinds of ways among people that you don't see and don't know, but God's kingdom is stronger and better because of them. So thanks, Jason and Robin. Thanks for having us up. Appreciate you guys. If you have a, a Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, and we're going to talk about Holy Spirit power. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a, a better place to talk about Holy Spirit power than Spirit Church. You're literally named after the Holy Spirit. So, um, you know, if, if you didn't know, that's why it was called Spirit Church. Surprise, uh, that, that, that is it. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is how we experience God. What I've noticed, so at, so at Christian Chapel right now, we are uh, kind of at the beginning of a series through the book of Acts. So, so we're preaching our way through it. Um, and what I have noticed is when you talk about the Holy Spirit, there are all kinds of responses, all kinds of initial reactions that people have. And a lot of that kind of depends on your background. And so, so what, what we've noticed, I think we've got kind of five ideas, five ways that people typically think about the Holy Spirit, five reactions I've experienced. The first one we get at Christian Chapel when we say we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit is we have a group of people who are excited, right? They are just like Holy Spirit cheerleaders. They are ready to go. They hear about it and they just think, yes, finally, any Sunday where we don't talk about 
about the Holy Spirit, they might be slightly disappointed and question my spirituality, right? They, they've just got that. And so I know some of us here this morning, you here, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit power, and you're immediately on the, okay, let's go, let's do this. Now, now others of us, you hear about the Holy Spirit, and it might make you just a little bit nervous, because you had that one crazy friend when you were in school, you have that one aunt who's kind of out on a limb, you have the uncle who fell off the limb, right? And, and they, they just, like, you, you just know some of these people and they're weird, but they blame their weirdness on the Holy Spirit. What I wanna assure you of this morning is with or without the Holy Spirit, they're weird, right? The Holy Spirit's not gonna make you weird. Now, if you're weird, the Holy Spirit will still work in your life, but it's not his fault that people act that way. So if you're nervous of like, man, the Holy Spirit, is that going to make me one of those people? Uh, the answer is just kind of relax. We'll turn to the scriptures. We'll see what it says. Now, now some of us, we move past nervous, and, and we're actually a little apprehensive because maybe you grew up in a church environment where you were told the Holy Spirit is not for today. The gifts of the Spirit are not for today. Those were only for the age of the apostles. Those were only for the, the early days of the church. God doesn't work in those ways. God doesn't do those things anymore. And so, so you, your apprehension is really rooted in your respect for the scriptures, and you're just saying, I don't want anything outside of what the scriptures prescribe for me. And so if you find yourself in, in that boat today, I want to invite you just to, to relax to understand we're gonna anchor ourselves in the scriptures, we're just gonna see what they say, we're gonna ask God what that means, and we're gonna ask him to apply those things in our life. We're not trying to convince you of the doctrine of a denomination, we're not trying to get you to, to sign off on a statement of beliefs, we're just saying if this is what God has for you, this is what the scriptures prescribe, then this is what we want to experience in our life as well. And then sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a group of us who are curious. We've heard about the Holy Spirit. We've heard about the gifts of the Spirit. We've heard about the power of the Spirit. Maybe you've been part of Spirit Church for a while and you've heard Pastor Jason talk about these things in small groups. You've heard other people talk about how they've heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, how they were used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and you're just curious and you wanna know more about that. And then the, the last category that, that I've found as we've kind of worked our way through the book of Acts is there is a, a segment of our congregation, and I, I believe a, a segment of you here today at Spirit Church that you're just hopeful. You have felt deep in your soul that there is something in your relationship with God that he has to give you, something more, a deeper experience of, of his power, a deeper experience of his presence, and you are just, you're coming almost like a sponge, just ready to soak up whatever the scriptures say and whatever God has for you. My encouragement to you today is wherever you fall in those five categories is that the Holy Spirit is for you. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. The fact that you're here today is because the Holy Spirit is already working and active in your life. The scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit is God. The scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit is who inspired the scriptures. The Holy Spirit is the one who applies the scriptures to our life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already walk with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who convicted you of sin. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed Jesus as Savior. And it's the Holy Spirit who assures you that you are a son or a daughter of God. If you're kind of on the edge and you're exploring the work of Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit who is stirring those thoughts in your heart and in your mind and drawing you into something deeper. And so when we talk about Holy Spirit power this morning, we're not talking about anything that you haven't already experienced. All we're doing is going to Acts chapter 2, 
And we're going to say, if there's a promise of power from the Holy Spirit that Jesus intends for every one of his disciples, then what does that look like? Why do I need it? How do I receive it? And how do I know when I have it? And so if, if you're open for that, we're going to start today. Before we do that in Acts chapter 2, though, we're going to start in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Because what I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit, and particularly this gift of Holy Spirit power, is a promise from God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' plan is that every single person who puts their faith in him will have an experience of power from the Holy Spirit. Now what we're talking about today, this, this gift of power, is a gift that God gives to people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So we are, what, I wanna be clear, we're not talking about salvation today. Right, the, the work of the Holy Spirit to draw us to Jesus is the work of salvation, but this promise that Jesus gives is a promise he gives to his disciples who have already surrendered their lives to him, who have already committed everything to him, and he's telling them, you need to wait until you receive power and the purpose of this power so you can be my witnesses. Now that, that job was not just for the original disciples, it's not for the apostles, it's not just for pastors and missionaries and preachers and teachers today, but the job to be a witness is a calling that is placed on every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you're a Christian, Jesus' command in Acts 1.8 still applies to you. He has still promised you, you need to wait to, to engage in ministry until you have received this power power from the Holy Spirit. And so what we want to understand today is Holy Spirit power is a promise from God. This is God's idea. This is God's plan. It's not the invention of a denomination. It was not the discovery of a particular pastor or preacher or point in church history. But from day one of the church until today, God's plan is that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, reveal Jesus as Savior, assure us of our salvation, and that we would then be filled with a subsequent experience of power from the Holy Spirit so that we can launch out to be the men and women that God has called us to be, sharing the good news with everyone we meet everywhere we go. And the more intimidated we are today by the idea of sharing our faith, the more proof we have that we need this gift of Holy Spirit power. So Jesus makes the promise to the disciples on the day of his ascension. They obey, they go back to Jerusalem, they gather in an upper room, and they begin to pray. They don't know exactly what it's going to look like when the Holy Spirit comes, but they know Jesus has told them to wait. And so they wait, and they pray, and they pray, and they wait, and they wait, and they pray. And there's a, a period of about 10 days between the ascension and the day of Pentecost. And during that time, the disciples don't know exactly what they're waiting or praying for. Jesus doesn't tell them, this is what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes. He just tells them, wait until you receive. And the implication is that at some point, something will happen where they will know we've received this promise from Jesus. And as we turn to Acts chapter 2, where we're going to anchor ourselves this morning, we see exactly what that looks like. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't, these, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. We'll spend the rest of the morning talking about why God sends the Holy Spirit in such a powerful and supernatural way. But again, before we do that, I just want to emphasize everything that happens in Acts chapter 2 is the result of God keeping his promise. God promised the Holy Spirit, Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, and this arrival of the Holy Spirit with supernatural signs and wonders is given to fulfill God's promise and launch us forward on God's path. So again, it's not invented by the disciples, it's not a creation of the early church or the modern church, this is God's plan for then, and it's God's plan for now. And so as we kind of work our way through, the the first thing we see on the day of Pentecost is that God intends for the power of the Holy Spirit to be a personal power. It says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, so what we learn about the arrival of the Holy Spirit and this gift of spirit baptism, of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is this is not a gift that Jesus reserved for a select few who had a very high and holy calling on their life. Because there can be a temptation today for us to think, I believe that that gift of power is necessary for people who have a particularly difficult calling on their life. For missionaries taking the gospel to unreached peoples, to to pastors, to other people in in prominent positions of leadership or service. But we can kind of exempt ourselves sometimes and think, but I'm just a very ordinary person with an ordinary calling that I can perfectly manage on my own. I don't really need all that, and and maybe it sounds a little weird, and I don't really want to get into it anyways. But what we see on the day of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit is poured out on every single person who's gathered in the upper room. It says that tongues of fire came and separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And so what we want to pay attention to is that idea of each and all, right? And each and all then meant the same thing that each and all mean today. It means each one of us in the room at Spirit Church, all of us in the room at Spirit Church are designed by God to walk in relationship with Jesus and to experience the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the plans that God has for our lives. It means that you can't exempt yourself and I can't exempt myself. It means it's not restricted by culture, time, or place. Everywhere God's people gather, everywhere people put their faith in Jesus Christ, the intention is that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit so they can accomplish all that God has for them. And if you, if you don't believe me, we'll just keep reading through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost to explain what has happened, he uses a couple phrases to reiterate the point that this is a personal power. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he says that the Spirit will be for all people, your sons and your daughters, your young men and your old men. In verse 18, he says it will be for your servants, your men, and your women. In verse 39, he says it will be for you, for your children, for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so what Peter is making clear to us is this gift of the Holy Spirit is not just for those who are gathered in the upper room that day, but it is for everyone everywhere. He gets up to proclaim to the crowd, you might have missed the initial outpouring, but there is still an outpouring of the Spirit that God has for you. He makes it clear to them it's for you and it's for your children, meaning not just your children one day when they grow up, but the Holy Spirit is for children and teenagers right here and right now. He says it's for your old men and your old women. And I won't ask you to identify yourselves, but we all know who we are, right? And, and that definition of old, it's, it's different, right? I love, like Jason will sometimes introduce me as a young pastor, and I love that because I've got teenagers, and they call me an old man. And what Acts tells me is regardless of what I'm called, the Holy Spirit's for me. So I might be young, I might be old, I'm most likely somewhere in between, but the Holy Spirit is for me. And then Peter makes it clear, he says, and, and don't think this gift is just for those who said yes to Jesus right now. He says it's for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, meaning until Jesus returns, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every man, woman, and child from every tribe, language, and tongue that will place their faith in him. And so the Spirit is God's gift to all of us all of the time and you are intended to experience him in a very personal way and as you keep reading through acts chapter 2 you see it's all also a participatory power when the holy spirit comes they participate in his arrival they are not passive recipients but it makes it clear that when the spirit comes there is some action that was required on our part, some engagement that we begin to walk into. Now, what that means for us today is that spirit-empowered service and spirit-empowered worship and spirit-empowered living are not things that we are called to observe. Right? So, so it's one thing to attend a spirit-empowered church. It's one thing to sit in a chair in a spirit-empowered worship service. But what Acts chapter 2 is teaching us is God's plan is not that he would pour his spirit out on a few people and all the other Christians would gather to watch them operate in the gifts of the spirit. But God's plan is that each and every person would experience the personal power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and that we would participate in it. Now that participation comes in two forms. It comes in an initial physical experience of the Holy Spirit, but more than that, participating in the power of the Spirit comes when you begin to share the good news of Jesus everywhere you go and with everyone you meet by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. So participatory power means that I can't just buy a ticket and watch other people experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Participatory power means I'm not gonna show up at church and think, I hope something cool happens happens today and I get to witness it. Participatory power doesn't mean I'm going to go to a conference or a camp and hope that I can just experience the gifts of the Spirit there and then maybe next year I can do it again. Participatory power means I go to every gathering of believers with an expectation that the Holy Spirit is present, powerful, and active. I gather together with other believers believing that the gifts of the Spirit are going to be released in my life for your good and the gifts of the Spirit are going to be released in your life for my good. I mean, It means that everywhere I go, 
when I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm on a, a team, when I'm at the gym, wherever I am, I believe that I am participating in the power of the Holy Spirit in that place to be God's hands, to be God's feet, to be God's mouthpiece to people who desperately need to hear from him. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Not that you will agree with a doctrine, but that you will experience the life-changing gift of personal participatory power of the Holy Spirit. This is God's plan for you. This is God's plan for me. Now, as, as you kind of keep working through the book of Acts, remember God, Jesus told the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem, but he doesn't tell them how they're going to know when the Holy Spirit shows up. And so what we see in Acts chapter 2 is that Jesus provides a supernatural proof of the arrival of the Holy Spirit. In verse 2, it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So on the, the day of Pentecost, there are three outward visible signs when the Holy Spirit shows up. Right? There's a, a sound like the rushing of a mighty wind, a violent wind. There are what appear to be pillars, tongues of fire that, that come and separate and come to rest on each one of them. And then they begin to speak, to pray, to worship in languages that they do not know. Now, of those three physical signs, we, we can just stop and think about why does God send these and why do some of them continue and why have some of them ceased? So, so let's just, we'll kind of start with the most obvious and we'll work our way to what seems to be the most supernatural. So the most obvious is the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Now, now for us today, we, we've grown up, we live in Oklahoma, right? There, there are songs written about our wind, right? We are the place where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. So if, if God is going to send the Holy Spirit and the only sign is a mighty rushing wind, we're just gonna assume that, that spring is when the Holy Spirit comes in Oklahoma. Right? Like we have, we have a, a flat roof at Christian Chapel, and there are certain times on Sunday mornings where the wind will blow exceptionally hard, and it will kind of funnel in between our air conditioning units on the top, and it sounds like there are about 10, 300-pound men walking across our roof. Right? And, and so I am thankful that God didn't choose the wind as a sign of the Spirit because we would be terribly confused all of the time of, was that the Holy Spirit? Or was that just another storm, right? Was that the Holy Spirit or was that just the poor architecture of our building? We're not real sure. It's a, so that one, it happens, but, but we never see that sign happen again. The second sign that happens is it says that there were tongues of fire, pillars of fire that came, separated, and came to rest on each of them. Now, if God had asked me, this is a sign I would have chosen to, to mark the arrival of the Holy Spirit because there would never be any doubt. And like this morning, just some of you, you'd be sitting around of like, have I received the Holy Spirit? And I would ask you, well, did, did you have the fire? Like, did it, did it burn? Did someone else see it? Like, it, it, could there have been anything more obvious? And, and yet, for whatever reason, that was a, a one-time thing. And there are all kinds of reasons God might have chosen it, but we don't have time to get into those today. The third sign, the idea that they begin to speak, to pray, to worship in languages they did not know, is the only sign that we see repeated again in the book of Acts. Now, we don't have time to, to get into these in detail, but in the book of Acts, there are five examples of when the Holy Spirit comes and people are baptized in the Spirit or they are filled with the Spirit. 
You see them in Acts chapter 2, which we're reading from this morning. You see an account in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19. Of those five accounts, in three of them, it specifically says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. And that initial outward sign was a confirmation to the people seeking the gift and also to those praying that they will receive the gift that the Holy Spirit had come in his power. In the other two accounts where that gift is not specifically mentioned as the initial sign, it seems to be implied that there was some supernatural occurrence where they knew the Holy Spirit had come and they had received the power that they needed. And so all we can say from the scriptures is that the normal scriptural experience is that when we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to pray, to speak, to worship in a language that we do not know. Now, now again, we cannot make absolute things the Bible is not absolute about. And so, so it's possible that you are here today and you say, I know that I've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and I have not had that experience. And, and I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight with you. All I'm going to say is what we see in the scriptures is the normal expression of spirit baptism is that men and women who've said yes to Jesus and surrender to his plan for their life, they receive a gift of power from the Holy Spirit and God most often, frequently, and regularly confirms that gift with this supernatural sign. And some of us today, we think, I was with you until right there because now it got weird, right? Like now we see why Jason had you come because <laughs> you're his weird friend. Like, you're, you're the one. You're the one. You, you, you looked normal. You sounded normal. And now here we go. And you're going to get us up here and be like, repeat after me. I'm not going to do that, right? We're, we're not going there. There's no snakes that are coming out later. There's no, we're not going to push you over at the altar. Any of those preconceptions you might have, none of that is happening. All I'm saying is, this is what the scriptures say. And our job as Christians is not to bring our cultural discomfort to the scriptures and say, I believe God can do everything but that. Our job is to come and say, I believe in the supernatural work of God. I believe in the supernatural nature of the Holy Spirit. And if this is what God has for me, then this is what I want. And, and so I understand why fire would have been a, a more appealing gift to us because it's passive and it's obvious. But this idea of, of beginning to speak in other languages, beginning to pray in other tongues, it requires our participation. It requires our humility. It requires us laying down everything we have. It, and yet, if we think of it logically, it, it makes incredible sense that God would provide a supernatural proof for a supernatural gift for a supernatural task. Jesus does not want the disciples stuck in the upper room forever wondering if the Holy Spirit has come. And so on the day of, the, of Pentecost, the, the Spirit comes with wind and with fire, and then they all begin to speak in languages they did not know. And if you can, can imagine 120 or more people in a room suddenly, spontaneously, and simultaneously beginning to speak in languages they don't know, I don't think there's anyone in the room wondering, is this it? Is this the Holy Spirit? Is that Peter? Did you learn Greek? Peter, do you know this? Peter, did, like, they, they just understand and they know. They know each other. They know what they know and what they don't know. And they know this is the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And that same supernatural sign continues to be a gift that God gives to his church so that we know we are fully equipped for the work he's called us to of taking the whole gospel to the whole world by any means possible. Now, again, if, if that makes you uncomfortable, I get it. 
I, I completely understand it. I, I had this personal experience when I was in fifth grade at a kid's camp in Kansas. And I remember going back and, and feeling happy and talking to my parents about it and, and my pastors affirming it. And then about in high school, I started wrestling with, Lord, was that really something that was from you or did I make that up? Was I just mimicking what other people did? Through college, I continued to wrestle with that. Through seminary, I continued to wrestle with that. And it was only as I turned to study the scriptures and say, Lord, what do they say? Because what I don't want is I don't want an experience of God that's just built on the traditions of those who've gone before me. I want an experience that is firmly rooted in the authority of scripture. And as I came back again and again to the story of the early church, what I saw was God gives a supernatural gift to his people to, to, uh, to confirm this supernatural arrival of the Holy Spirit so that we trust him to engage in the supernatural task of taking the whole gospel to the whole world. And what I've noticed over the, the last 20 years of serving as a pastor is that if I preach this message in India or Africa or South America, it goes like this. The Holy Spirit is God's supernatural promise to you. There's a supernatural sign that accompanies it so that you can be his witnesses. Let's pray. And then we pray and people receive. And in the United States or Canada or Western Europe, if you preach this message, it goes like this. The Holy Spirit is God's supernatural promise of power to you. There is a supernatural sign that accompanies it for a supernatural task that God has created for you. Now let's talk about why you don't think that should be possible. And, let's, and, and I don't mind doing that. But there comes a point where we have to humble ourselves and begin to understand, I don't get to dictate to the Lord how he gives me the gift of the Holy Spirit. I come in humility, I come in submission, and I come in surrender. And I come with a heart full of faith, believing that he is a loving father who gives good gifts to his children. That he is not looking to embarrass me or humiliate me. He is not looking to do anything except pour out the fullness of the Spirit on my life so that I will confidently move forward on the path and the plan that he has for me. And what you'll begin to understand as you surrender to the Holy Spirit is that it's not just for you. You've got coworkers who desperately need you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You have friends and family members who they don't even know it, but they are longing for you to seek this gift from Jesus. There are people you have not yet met in places you have not yet walked who are waiting, whose eternity depends on you receiving this gift of spirit empowerment. And you might be here this morning and think still that, you know, that's kind of a gift for people who are a little holier than me. You don't know my background. You don't know my past. You don't know the things I've done. If, if that's you, I'd encourage you just to consider the original disciples because what we see from them is the Holy Spirit is a gift for ordinary people. On the day of Pentecost, it seems that those gathered in the upper room are somewhere in the, the temple complex, and so there's a large crowd gathered outside who've come to celebrate the day of Pentecost. They begin to, to hear this uproar from the upper room, and they hear the glories of God being declared in their own native languages, and their first response is not, I wonder what God is doing up there. Their first response is, aren't those all Galileans? Now, let's do a little bit of work to, to understand that was not a compliment, it was an insult. Galileans were the country bumpkins of Israel. They were rural, they were uneducated, they were looked down upon. If you remember on the night that Jesus is arrested, Peter is confronted by one of the servant girls, and she says, we know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your accent. Peter's from Galilee. They look country, and they sound country. Galilee was the flyover country of Israel. 
Right now, now I know we, you know, we live, I live in Tulsa, you live in Bartlesville. We love it here. We love Tulsa, we love Bartlesville, but I think we can all agree we are not like the bastion of Western civilization. Right? We love it here. I love it here. I tell people all the time, Tulsa is a, a beautiful place to raise a family, not the best place in the world to visit. Now, I grew up in Kansas, and I didn't know this, but when I moved to Oklahoma, apparently people here look down on people from Kansas. And so they would make jokes to me. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Look, we are in Oklahoma. Do you know where, like, you're not, it's not, it, we're just, we're Galileans. That's who we are. But there is incredible comfort today because what it means is the gift of the Holy Spirit is for ordinary people. Right? In, in the language of Galilee, the Holy Spirit is for all y'all. Every single one of you. And so, so you might have some stuff in your past that you think disqualifies you. Peter denied Jesus three times. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus had rose from the dead. Right? There, there are other men in that upper room who had made mistakes, who had a past, who had history, but they had been forgiven and they had received a promise. And today, the only qualification for you receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit's power is that you've said yes to Jesus. Pastor Jason's gonna come back in just a minute and give you an opportunity to do that, but before he does that, I wanna assure you of one final thing, is that the Holy Spirit is for tough situations. This gift of Holy Spirit power is a gift that Jesus gave the disciples because he knew that they were going to need it. He knew they were going to be taken into places that was beyond their natural ability. He knew their faith was going to be tested. He knew that they were going to be questioned, that they were going to be arrested, that they were going to be imprisoned, that they were going to be abused, that some of them would ultimately die for their faith. And it was this gift of Holy Spirit power that would enable them to stay faithful. And so this morning, I believe there are some of us in the room and we believe we're walking with Jesus. We know that we are. We believe in the promised power of the Holy Spirit. We know he's for ordinary people like you and me. And yet this morning, life is so tough that that you're almost tempted to believe this lie of once I get my life together, then I'll seek that gift of the Holy Spirit. Once I get through this season of grief, I'll seek that gift of the Holy Spirit. Once my kids get their stuff together, I'll seek this gift of the Holy Spirit. Once my marriage is back to where it needs to be, then I'll seek this gift of the Holy Spirit. And this morning what you're doing is you are disqualifying yourself from a promise that God has already qualified you for. Because the promise of the Holy Spirit is not about you. It's not about your ability. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about how good you feel about yourself. It's not about how others look at you. The promise of the Holy Spirit is about one thing and one thing only. Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? And if so, then the fullness of the Holy Spirit is available to you today. And what I want you to understand is for as long as you hold that gift at a distance, you're fighting every battle with both hands tied behind your back. You're sharing your faith crippled from the way that God intends for you to share it. The Holy Spirit is for ordinary people. The Holy Spirit is for tough situations. And this morning as you stand, I want to pray and and help each of us understand that the Holy Spirit is for you. So will you stand with me? I want to lead us just in a a couple prayers of surrender. And then uh, invite Jason, Pastor Jason, to come back and, and conclude us this morning. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, we come to you. We believe that the promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise for today. And so Holy Spirit, we come today surrendering our lives, opening our hearts and opening our minds to you. And as as an act of surrender, will will you take your hands and put them in front of you with your palms facing the ground? Jesus, we're using this physical posture this morning to lay down every objection 
to lay down every, every sense of anxiety, everything we're not sure of, and to, to just fully surrender to you and to declare that in the same way we have surrendered our lives to you and trust you for salvation, we believe this promise of the Holy Spirit is for us. So we lay down any preconceived notions we have. We lay down any cultural baggage we carry with us. And we just come in a, a position of humility and surrender. And now will you take your hands, will you turn your palms towards the sky with me? And, and now Jesus, we come and individually and collectively we pray, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place and you are welcome in our lives. Jesus, will you even now begin to release the gift of the Holy Spirit into the hearts and minds of men and women and teenagers and children. We believe in the promise of the Holy Spirit. We know how desperately we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We are ordinary people who've been entrusted with an extraordinary task and so Jesus, today, will you fill us once again with the power of your Holy Spirit in a supernatural way where we know that we know that we know we have received all that you have for us. And Jesus, we commit, we will not stop seeking this gift until we receive it. We believe it's a promise from you for us. So we're going to pray and we're going to seek and we're going to do it when we're gathered together on Sundays and we're going to seek the Spirit when we're gathered in small groups. We're going to seek the gift of the Spirit in our cars and in our homes. We're going to seek the gift of the Spirit in our devotional times. We're going to seek the gift of the Spirit when we're gathered together with one or two other believers. We're going to seek the gift of the Spirit when we're running and when we're mowing and when we're working and when we're serving. Jesus, we're going to live in a position of surrender and a position of pursuit until we receive all that you have promised for us. Jesus, we believe that a spirit-empowered church is your only plan to reach the world. We want to be part of it, and we want to fight with every ounce of strength that, that the Spirit provides. So Holy Spirit, will you come in your way to each and every one of us today? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Would you bow your head just for one more moment? I know we've been praying. He so eloquently stated that the prerequisite is that we say yes to Jesus. And this morning, we would be remiss if we didn't give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus and receive him as Savior and Lord. You may have never said yes to Jesus. Today would be a perfect day. Maybe you said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, but things are different, you're not that same person, and whatever respect or regard you've walked away from the Lord, God has not changed. And his arms that were once nailed to a cross for you are still open to receive you today and to offer you salvation. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we have no intention of embarrassing you, but if you need to say yes to Jesus, if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you and drawing you, would you just slip up a hand and say yes, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to say yes. Thank you. I've seen hands that have been going up, at least two different hands that have gone up. Anyone else that you say, yeah, pray for me. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for those who have been courageous and lifted their hands this morning. If you're watching online, you can write yes in that text box and just the word yes, Y-E-S, and let us know. 
The Bible says in Romans 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. When you lifted your hand this morning, you signified and indicated your belief in Jesus. But now there's that moment of confession. And I'm going to invite all of us, just so no one feels uncomfortable, I'm going to invite all of us to pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you said yes to Jesus today, there's a number on the screens. We'd love for you to text our team and let us know. We'd love for you to be baptized in water. We'd love to get you some discipleship material.